Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. everybody bob stoffer brennan escott with you on oilers now do you want to mention the best pizza in the city still making a great royal pizza multiple locations in edmonton to serve you including the original royal pizza in old strathcona royal pizza is edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years royal pizza offers curbside pickup and takeout options for a menu and a list of 13 edmonton and area locations go online at royalpizza.ca or download the royal pizza app at the app store stoffer recommendation mediterranean chicken very quickly, just before we go to Reed Wilkins, need to slide in the Oilers Prospect Report brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Trent Brown. You know, I, I'm trying to think of, has there been a better player out of the University of Alberta over the last 30 years? I mean, he was a two-time CFL All-Star, uh, two-time um, then CIAU all-Canadian. The guy was a heck of a player uh, with the EE football team, won a 93 Grey Cup. Anyways, uh, James Brown, Trent Brown, the gang at jameshbrown.com. When accidents happen, go see him and tell him what it's now. Sent you very quickly. Brandon, what do you got? Okay, well, uh, Evan Bouchard came up big for uh, Sodertai in the Alf Svenskin this weekend, notching a goal, two assists, and a 4-3 win. That brings him to four goals and 11 points in 16 games played, and he's second only to Anton Slepeshev in points as far as Oilers' properties go. Uh, William Lagesson, nine points and 11 Alf Svenskin games. Jeremiah Lindewall, the team's seventh rounder, uh, from last month's draft has nine points and eight games with the uh, U20 national program in Sweden. He's also dressed for six games with Moto in the Allsvenskan and has a goal to his credit. Philip Broberg, Philip Berglund, Joe Kim Nygaard, Theodore Lenstrom all playing in Sweden's top league where Broberg is pacing the pack in points with five and games played with 13. And they're in a little bit of a break right now. Without further ado, we bring back uh, Reed Wilkins from Inside Sports. Reed, how are you doing? The show's sounding great today, Bob. Thanks for having me. Quit lying. Um, but uh, let's do this, I, because I, I, I don't like unresolved situations. I asked texters if they could remind me who was on Sidney Crosby's wings at times, uh, and the correct response was Pasquale Dupuis and Max Talbot, and that just showed you how good Crosby was. That was the first line. You know where I'm going with this. Obviously, Connor McDavid, I think we all acknowledge, is the best player in hockey, and I said the order's number one line is a line that doesn't have Ryan Nugent Hopkins or the line that's got Ryan Nugent Hopkins. So if Nugent's with McDavid, that's the Oilers' number one line. If Dry settles with uh, Nugent, that's the number one line. Put your coaching hat on. You're Dave Tippett. What are you going to do with the top six? Well, I leave Dry settle Nugent Hopkins and Yamamoto together. Well, I guess I shouldn't say leave them together because they got broken up in most of the playoffs and for the, what turned out to be the final game of the regular season against Winnipeg. But uh, I agree with um, th- that text you read before the 130 news that Tip had a really good year coaching, but the, the strings that were pulled just didn't click in the postseason and breaking up that line was 
was one thing that that I didn't agree with at the time, and I think it hurt the Oilers on the attack. So I, I would go with those three guys together just because they were incredible in the second half of the regular season. So Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, and Yamamoto. I think you have to give, if it was me, I give Cassian the first shot on McDavid's right wing. He didn't have a great playoff, but he had a pretty good regular season. He's fast. He can play with energy. He can intimidate a little bit. Um, I, I think sometimes with Cassian, we see there can be a bit of a wild variance in his games when he has an off night. It might be taking a bit more of a dip than it does with other guys, but I, I think he enjoys playing there. I think McDavid enjoys having him there. The left side, if I had to pick today without seeing in, any training camp or potentially a couple of preseason games, I think I would give Ennis the first crack there because when he played for the Oilers last season, he played with intelligence. He didn't try to force plays when he was with McDavid. He often made the right play, whether it was trying to do something himself or simply dumping the puck in and trying to get a cycle going. Or let's face it, if you can't pass the puck to McDavid at the offensive blue line, dumping it in isn't a bad play because McDavid's probably going to beat the defenseman to the puck. So it's kind of like a pass to him anyway. He just gets it in a different spot of the ice. So I would go Ennis, McDavid, Cassian, Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl, Yamamoto. If I was coming in to coach day one of training camp, that's how they'd be on the chalkboard. And I would use a chalkboard, none of this whiteboard stuff. Well, you are a little bit old school in that regard. Uh, and some would say this is a jock talk, not a chalk talk. But uh, I want to go back to uh, something. Some, and this is, this is my challenge that I have in terms of evaluating what transpired. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm old enough to remember when the Oilers lost in a week to the L.A. Kings in 82. That team had seven Hall of Fame players on it and was 48 points ahead of Los Angeles in the regular season. Uh, the Oilers losing to Chicago was not a surprise to me. I respected Chicago. They had championship pedigree. And even going all the way back to 06, and I was not always the, you know, Craig McTavish, I was not the president of his fan club, but I did think that he was going to have greater commitment. I watched Detroit late in that year, and I saw some guys doing some stuff that was all about them and not about their team. And I believe that the Oilers in 06 were all wrong for the Red Wings read. So on that note, do you buy the theory that maybe Edmonton met the worst possible opponent they could have in Chicago? And we have to keep that in mind before we're being completely dismissive of what occurred last year with the team as a whole. I uh, personally, I don't buy that. And I, I, I understand it. And I understand when you have a team with more playoff experience, going up against a team that is is a little earlier in its cycle, and we hope the Oilers are at the start of a cycle where they're a playoff team for several years to come. But, I, I, and again, I, I don't want to take anything away from Chicago. Crawford stole the last game. We, we knew that was possible. We knew that was a concern. You know, Taves played really well. Kirby Dock played really well. And they did a good job preventing the Oilers from fully um, capitalizing on some of their strengths. But I also think that the Oilers just underperformed. And I think some of that's on Chicago, but some of that is flat out on the Oilers. You know, I mentioned, you know, I think Tip made some decisions that weren't the highest 
probability decisions to make. And I think a lot of players underperformed, whether you look at Cassian or uh, Larson and Clefbaum, and, and maybe they were banged up, but the, you know that's still a factor. Uh, you know, we didn't see much from Athanasio to the final game. And even, even the line of McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, and Cassian, I, I know McDavid wound up with four points, but I, I thought they had a really poor game one. I, I, I don't buy that, that the Oilers would have beaten anybody else against Chicago, the, except Chicago. The way the Oilers played relative to the standards they established in the regular season, I'm not sure they would have beat anybody in the first round, in the qualifying round. They they just did not bring what they had in the regular season. So, you know, again, credit to Chicago, but I, I, I just, I, to me, that doesn't apply. And, and maybe I'm in the minority and I'm fine with that. I could still win the electoral college, but I, I, I just think that, it's it doesn't come down to Chicago being all round, wrong for Edmonton. A lot of it comes down to that was not the Oilers team we saw from October to the middle of March. If they play Winnipeg and Mark Scheifele gets hurt first shift in the game, and first or second shift in the game, and then Patrick Laine gets knocked out of the series and the Jets go one for 21 on the power play, do you think they beat Winnipeg? Oh, probably because Hellebuck didn't have a great series. But I mean, that's a pretty big what if 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 they would have played Winnipeg. You, and- you said you said you didn't think they'd beat anybody, and I'm saying I mean I I'm the one that picked Calgary over Winnipeg, and I thought they were going to win it. You know, kind of in uh, win it in five, and the the Flames pretty much got a free pass because the Jets were not the same team. Things happen in short series. Yeah, that's- but that that's a big what if. I, I'm just okay. Sure, you know, maybe they they didn't play. They didn't play well enough where you think, okay, well, they lost to Chicago, but they could have beat these other teams. I, I yeah. think the way they played, they they didn't play we, we t- well enough to feel like, oh, well, they it was only because it was Chicago that they were stopped. They they you know they didn't bring it. I'm thinking if they played Calgary or Vancouver or Winnipeg, there would have been a different level of. First of all, those teams play complete. Chicago played a soft game. And the Oilers didn't force them to play a hard game. Calgary forces you to play a hard game, and and the Oilers had a their their final game, their final. Don't, don't forget the Flames won more of the regular season games last year between Edmonton and Edmonton won, but the Oilers elevated for the final one and finally got into the the area that they needed that level of intensity that they needed. I think that would have been there Calgary and against Calgary, Vancouver, Winnipeg. And it wasn't there against Chicago. And Chicago had a burr up their butt. You're sitting there, you're Jonathan Taze. Like, who the hell is that? Why is everybody saying these guys haven't won squat in their NHL career? We won third, three cups. There's a pride factor that comes in there. That's my point about the opponent being all wrong, Reed. Uh, which is not just like, I do think Edmonton could have won matchups. Now, here's, here's the thing that nobody has talked about. A lot of people have brought up the goaltending decision, game one. A lot of yeah. people have obviously brought up Nugent Hopkins, not with dry settle um, in Yamamoto. Big part of the Oilers' failure was that, you know, Clefbaum and Larson were not their top pairing. And the team was rattled at times when those guys were on the ice in the first couple of games. And then Larson didn't even finish the series. And Clefbaum, as we found out, was never right to begin with, Reed. Well, I think that's a good point. I mean, I think probably. Um Chris Russell and Matt Benning turned out to be the Oilers' two best defensemen in that series. Um, Caleb Jones came in and played well. Uh, I thought Bear was a little up and down. Obviously, he had a couple of tough moments on uh, on the last two winning goals in the series. So, sure, that, and I think that was one of the, the big drop-offs was that you didn't see 
the same Larson and Clefbaum that you saw in the regular season. L- Larson, we only shot from half the series, and now we know maybe Clefbaum wasn't totally right. But I, again, that that's depth, right? And and I, I know if uh, a defenseman who's in your is in your top pairing or maybe your third best defenseman isn't playing well enough, it's harder to replace. But still, we have seen teams go deep into the playoffs with significant injuries or down to maybe nine or even 10 on the depth chart. And you and I talk about Buffalo all the time in 2006. I mean, they ultimately didn't make the cup final, but they they did go pretty deep. So I I get all that from the Oilers, but I, I still think the players that were healthy and were able to go just, I mean, Bob... I, I don't. I can't remember a significant. And, I, and look, I'm not just picking on one guy, but I'm just going to use this as an example. Zach, I don't remember a significant body check by Zach Cassian in that entire series. He I mean, I mean the, Matt, he needs the fans. Maybe. Well, maybe. I'm telling but, you right now, he plays but, for the fans. He needs the fans. Well, okay, but every. But again, all 24 teams played in empty arenas. Fair so comment. You, you got to execute. You know what situation you're in. And and you have to execute. See, the pessimist would sit there and look at Cassie and say, all right, you got your money, and then you stop playing. The optimist would sit there and say, well, Zach's the type of player that builds on the energy of the fans. Chicago came in and played a soft, as you know what, style of game. And I know Chicago scored a bunch of goals and deflections where those would be low traditionally levels of statistical probability to score. They got some bounces. Edmonton didn't get some bounces. And this ties back into the overall evaluation of the team now as a result. Based on the body of work that Ken Holland had in the offseason, the fact that there's no upgrade in goal, it's the same goaltending, the fact that Clefbaum's not here, now Barry is, because I don't think either of us are counting on Clefbaum playing this season. Are the Edmonton Oilers a better team now than they were when they finished up that playoff series against Chicago? If they are, I think it's slight. I, I think I, I do think they're going to be better five-on-five. Five. I, I like Turris. And I like Cahoon, and I think they might have uh, a legitimate third line and some flexibility and the the chance to move players around in the top nine and and go with who's ever riding a hot hot streak or whatever combination seems to be clicking at that time. And quite frankly, I think they also have some depth up front to survive an injury or two if it's not to one of their top four or five offensive players. So I do think they can be better five on five, and that's going to make a difference. I've said to you several times, Bob, I think the power play has the potential to have a higher percentage than it did last season. I really believe that, and we'll see what happens. The penalty killing, I think, will drop off, uh, but I don't think it's going to go from second to back down to 30th like it was there was the last the two years prior. Uh, and the goaltending is a question mark. I think that Koskinen's going to have to play more than half the games. Now, it's going to be a shortened season, so maybe that won't be as difficult as it would have been over 82 games. So look, they, they finished, they, they were ninth in points. They were 12th in points percentage. I think they can finish, you know, again, probably between eighth and 13th overall and kind of be a, a second tier team. But I, I ju- I'm not ready to put them on the short list of Stanley Cup contenders. Nor am I. Uh, because of, yeah, because of the goaltending, I, I I still think they need to get even deeper up front. But you know, they'd be great if they could still make the third line even better or, or round out the fourth line a little bit. And look, this this is the fun part of the year because you can look at all the no, optimism. No, but, but as no, we've seen, no, it's not. It's not. A, it's, it'd be a. It's fun be to speculate. Right now. It's not yeah, a fun time yeah. of year to. Right. The off season is fun in terms of being able to speculate. Some of the moves won't work out. I, I mean, Granlin, your show. You look back to last summer. 
But those kind of get forgotten about because here's what I like what Ken Holland did, Bob. He covered his butt. He didn't just say, okay, well, I signed uh, I signed Turris. Okay, I'm, I'm done up front. I, I got the one guy we needed. He, he got some other guys, right? And yep. there's still the opportunity to bring in some other guys. And maybe they're still even going to bring in uh, another defenseman. I know, you know, a lot of it depends on putting Clefbaum on LTIR eventually when we get to the start of the season. But that's that's what has encouraged me about Ken Holland. He hasn't put all his eggs in one basket with depth guys. You sign four or five guys to take depth roles. Okay, maybe two flame out, but the other three are good enough. So that's that's what makes me optimistic, especially up front. Is that if if one you know if if Puliyarvi comes back and just can't do it, there's guys that can slide into that role that have at least been decent in NHLers before, or Cahoon doesn't work out. There's guys who can slide in who have done it before. Who's the better bet to be a long-term top six forward, Yamamoto or Puliyarvi at this point? Yamamoto, because I, I I've never seen Puliyarvi do it in the NHL, so I, so I can't. I, yeah, I can't give him that. I, I hope he does. And I, I, I'm not trying to run the guy down, but I have to see him actually do it in the NHL. It's just been all hope with him. He has to bring it, and he has to bring it on his own, and he has to bring it regardless of who he's with. It's interesting, right? A year ago at this time, uh, and people have the democratic right to be wrong. That's something that John Short used to say back in the day. But, you know, there were people clamoring for Yamamoto to be up. And others uh, were dismissing, say, you're out the lunch. And what about Bully Harvey? And I'm, I'm like, I don't know what to, I have stated. I think yes, as a top nine forward. And I know there's some people listening right now that don't think he's even that. I think he will be at minimum a third line right wing. Um, but he does have to kind of prove it. Uh, Reed, I got a texter from a person that said, since Reed's in a comic so much, uh, he should do a revisit on Peter Puck. <laughs> You ever, well, you ever thought? You ever thought I think, that, that Reed should be the spiritual inspiration uh, for for concept? Because you've got kind of an eclectic. Uh, I, I, I would it be fair to say you're not quite the hardcore sports junkie that I am. Is that fair? Oh, I don't know. I like sports quite a bit, but I, I don't watch. Uh, well, I don't really watch a lot of American college football. But I think you're you're pretty hardcore with a lot of stuff that I'm not. Though golf, I think I'm way more into golf. And the if, Masters is the Masters starts Thursday, so you're coming on Thursday night for some Masters trivia. Peter Puck not- is Peter Puck's a cartoon. <laughs> not a comic book. That's, I, 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 yeah, there was only nine episodes, and I probably watched them when I was. When I was a kid, but I I don't know how I would revisit that with a retrospective. Maybe I have to find an original artist or somebody who did the storyboards. Maybe I don't know. Well, you've got a different uh, outlook on life at times, so that's all good. The Fizzler, boy, it's great hearing him uh, again. Uh, the Fizzler texts the show to say, "If ends and butts were candies and nuts, we'd all have a merry Christmas." The Oilers lost against Chicago because they played poorly. That is fair. The team did not play as well as they needed to. I also maintain that given how close games three and four were, if they played a team with less championship pedigree with a couple of top-end guys, I wonder if there would have been a different end result. And let's not forget, Chicago got the puck luck. They got a degree of puck luck in that series that Edmonton simply did not get. And that's the... Uh, inevitability and the reality of, from, from my opinion, the inevitability and the reality of the situation. So we shall see. Uh, Reed, I asked this question the other day uh, in 30 seconds or less, one through seven. Give it to me. If we go all, if we go oh, all yeah. Canadian, <laughs> all Canadian, one through seven. Holy, what's going on in that house right now? I, what do you got? 
Sorry, I was moving papers around because I wrote this down the other day because former D-man Mark called in and asked me, and he called into your show in the last half hour. I will go up from 7-1. to one. Ottawa, Winnipeg, Montreal, Vancouver, Toronto, Edmonton, Calgary. You got Calgary number one, eh? For regular season, yes. Hmm, interesting. Uh, we'll see with Calgary. They got a good goalie. There's no question about that. Uh, we'll see where it all ends up going. What do you got coming up tonight on Inside Sport? Fluid show? Uh, no, Jack Michaels is on. Uh, we're going to have Gord Cutler on, longtime television broadcast executive to remember Howie Meeker. Bob, this is usually time of the year. We have the Hall of Fame inductions. We got a bit of a Hall of Fame week uh, on Inside Sports. Lanny McDonald's on tonight. Uh, Mark Howe tomorrow. We're going to have Phil Housley on later in the week, and we're working on a couple of others too. Good stuff, Reed. Thanks for your time. See you. That is Reed Wilkins from Inside Sports. You know, I was talking to Uncle Milt down at Brent Ridge Ford in Metasquin, and he was saying the other day, Bob, we need more trades. Our used vehicle inventory is down. And currently the Ford that's the Ford Motor Company of Canada will give you a trade-in bonus of up to $2,500 for 2016 model or older. Now, just a reminder, Brent Ridge Ford of Wetaskiwin is keeping you, your safety their top priority. They are currently complying with all AHS safety protocols. So go down and see Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny, and the gang at your Ford Truck Authority on the Auto Mile in Wetaskiwin. There you go. To this day in winter's history, it wasn't a good one. What do you got, Brendan Escott? Yeah, I, uh, I apologize for this one. Let me try and find it here. Ha! There it went. On this day in 1989, Bob Sweeney scores his first career hat trick for the Bruins as the Oilers suffer a 6-2 loss at the Boston Garden. Now, Marty Jalana and Nessa Tikkanen scored uh, for the Oilers before an ugly third period featured 17 different penalties and a dust-up between Jeff Bukaboom and Lyndon Byers. Lyndon Byers was tough. He could chuck him. Uh, that was in 1989, so that was the 89-90 season. As I recall, I think the Oilers will take the loss that night for how the 1990 Stanley Cup Final ended up going. Though I doubt Whitey Bulger would have been very happy. What was Mac T's line? He thinks he pulled the lights out back in 88. Legendary uh, Boston crime lord whose character was loosely, or the character that Jack Nicholson played in The Departed was loosely based on Whitey Bulger, by the way. And, of course, some of you know this. Uh, he snuck in in 2011, Game 7, into Vancouver for the Stanley Cup Final to go watch his beloved Bruins play. Tomorrow, Sportsnet spec Mark Spector for Horse Racing Alberta, featuring live standard bread racing. Saturdays and Sundays out at Century Mile. Fan access still limited, but you can watch and wager online at hbibet.com. Horse Racing Alberta, employing Albertans, contributing to the economy, and caring for our horses. Back by popular demand tomorrow, former NHL executive Mike Fudo. We had him on during the draft week. The response was very pos- uh, positive. Reed Wilkins tonight on Inside Sports. Jalen I has 6.30 chat afternoons. Uh, drug company Pfizer announced that its COVID-19 vaccine trials, 90% effective according to early data. What does that mean for the battle against the disease? And do these results mean that the potential distribution timeline can be sped up? Uh, Dr. Lauren Terrell will be joining Jalen Nye after, along with Canadian Medical Hall of Fame founder of the Lee 
uh, Ka Shing Institute at the U of A. That is Dr. Lauren Terrell. Coming up tonight at 2. So there you have it. Global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 6.30 afternoons with Jay Lynn Nye. So long, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.